0: Welcome to season three of the Women in STEM podcast. Expect more stories from other women in STEM, more advice, and more one-to-one episodes with me, your host, Kelly. Hello, and welcome to the Women in STEM podcast, and today we have a very special guest, and she's going to be talking about her book release, as well as she's going to be talking about her career so far. So, would you like to introduce yourself, please?
1: Yes, I'm Lois Melbourne, and I'm currently the chief story officer of um, a publishing company and writing books. But I'm formerly the CEO of a software company that sold software globally and to a lot of big companies. And it's uh, as a founder, also did kind of a lot of different jobs as the company grew.
0: Wow. I think um, people listening, especially women in STEM are definitely going to be interested in uh, your tech background and what all that had to deal with. So with regards to your career, did it kind of like go as expected? Was this uh, what you expecting to
1: end up going into or? No, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit varied. Yeah. Um, I started working at, at 14 at a company um but working with databases and a word word processor that was the size of a desk. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this was in the early 80s. And um, so I started you know, not being intimidated with computers at all, but I studied advertising and marketing. Um, but shortly after college, went to work for a company that did, systems integration and uh, we did a lot of software training and became a network engineer. And uh, my favorite part of that job was doing software selection and helping corporations evaluate different types of software and which one was gonna be the best fit for them. And while I was doing that, my husband came to me with a product that he was working on and, and I said, you know I think I think my customers would really like that and if if you can build it I think I can sell it and so we actually started our software company um, in 94 mm-hmm. and um, that was when I mean we were very early into um, the internet I remember doing trade shows and having to tell people what www was and um, you know, because we had a very early internet site and um, then sold that company to a, a private equity firm and was able to retire in 2013 or retire because I didn't want to get back into operating a, a company. So now I've gotten into nonprofits and, and my writing. So no, it wasn't, it wasn't a direct
0: path. Yeah. I mean, so far with all the people that I've interviewed on my podcast, it's never a direct path. And I think it's very important to highlight that uh, for women, especially women in STEM, that sometimes the career that you think will happen in the long term might change. And especially with technology, how it's growing and progressing, like a lot of the jobs that are going to exist in 10 years time, we're not going to know about it right now.
1: Right, right. I think that's important to keep in mind to know that you're going to, especially in a tech career, you're gonna always be learning. You you have to have a perpetual desire to learn and upgrade skills and, and such because it's not gonna stay the same.
0: Yes, I think that's definitely true. And I definitely want to address your book. Can you um, please tell me a bit more about like what inspired you to write the book and like why now?
1: Yes, and Moral Code is about um, an an ethical AI and I am talking about artificial intelligence with my husband and and he says, you know, what would you do if you could create uh, an AI that could do anything, you know, an ethical AI, what, what would the most important thing that it, it could do, you know, looking grandiose, not what AIs are able to do right now, but that kind of long-term, and, and it was also kind of fell into a conversation about if I can write a book, um, uh, and we, we just started brainstorming about the the most important thing that you could ever do is protect children. Mm -hmm. And we started talking about, well, what if an AI could, you know, prevent child abuse or um, help kids learn and uh, be there for kids? Because that would be the ultimate um, most ethical thing you could do is make kids' lives better. And so that brainstorming became um, a, a book outline, and then I said, you know, I'm I'm gonna write this. Um, you know, as and as far as why now, um, I think it's important to try and shape. I think entertainment can really shape technology, just like technology can also impact entertainment. Mm-hmm. But right now. AIs are, you know, a lot of them are being set loose on data sets and training sets that are just, you know, go scour the internet. And I mean, we don't even want our kids to see two thirds of what's out there. Why would we be training our AIs on just, yeah, it's massive sets of data, but that doesn't mean that it's it's good data. So I think it's kind of important to to push that ethical um, components and saying, hey, we we need to really think about what we're doing with our computing power and with our technology.
0: Yeah, wow. Sounds like your book is going to be um, very powerful. And with regards to your book, do you have like a target demographic or target age group that you're um, hoping to read this book? It's
1: it's an adult fiction. Um, It's sci-fi. Uh, but I think it's very accessible I, I really tried to make it something that even people that aren't big sci-fi readers would want to read and um, I think it raises a lot of good discussions to you know if, anytime that you're kind of challenging those what ifs you know what if we change things what if we gave that you know that power to to do good um, so I hope it's like a a, a good um, book club kind of pick to have people really dive into what they would do or what they consider that the best way to treat some of these society issues, which is the fun part of sci-fi because that really is a big part of it is kind of doing, making people think what if.
0: Yeah, definitely. And often a lot with uh, women in STEM, um, children tend to be a lot on their mind, especially like motherhood, et cetera, and stuff like that. And with your experience, do you feel like one can have a successful career and still be able to be involved uh, fully in a child's life? Or do you think that it, you have to pick one or the other?
1: Um, I don't think you have to pick one or the other. Um, I also don't think you should try and be a superwoman and think that, every, you, know, that you can do Everything to the maximum um, ability because it's it's a juggle. Um, but I think that you know I have a 21 year old son, and um, he's fantastic. He's he's for for entrepreneurial household. He's he's got his head on on straight. I think he'll probably wind up being an entrepreneur as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a really important part is who is your life partner? Um, I, I think it's really important as women look at who are they going to spend their life with. I mean, we spent so much time thinking about which college or university or education are we going to pursue as it helps our career. Um, I think we should look at our life partner um, with that, some of that same scrutiny is this individual going to support my career? Do we see things in the same way? Are, I'm very fortunate. My husband is very much a partner to me. I mean, partner in my business and and partner in, in parenting. And that that made it very possible. Um, we tried not to travel at the same time. You know, that was a big juggle because I was going all over the world with customers and such. but. I tried to keep those trips as short as I could. Um, and then also my son's pretty independent, you know, but he 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 makes me feel good. He, he brags about his CEO mom sometimes.
0: I definitely think that's something to brag about. <laughs> um, you should be very proud of your accomplishments. And with regards to like women in STEM, um, what are common mistakes or misconceptions that you often see um, women Put on to themselves.
1: Well, I think the the one that I think of the most is not exclusive to a STEM career, um, but it really is very evident in history um, of women not always taking credit and standing up for their own ideas. And in you know science, we have a a long history of that we're only now starting to scratch the surface of how many times women's research was, you know, always given credit—not always, but is given credit to male colleagues, et cetera. They're subordinated in that process. It is getting harder for them to do that. But just in the day, day that um, make sure that your voice is heard and. The, and the practical ways to do that is when you have an idea, you have your research, you document it and you present it in such a way that it's, it is a presentation or it is written and it is to multiple people. So you are getting credit. Um, one, one of my helpful phrases when you're in a meeting and the, predominantly guys but not always guys sometimes it's a a female colleague usually it's guys um you know kind of rephrases or restates what you had said earlier and as if it was their own idea Mm -hmm. we've all seen it we all know it it's coming back with you know and even if you're interrupting somebody say you know thank you, Joe Bob for rephrasing my idea, because now we can further talk about it. And it means a lot that you're supporting my, my concept. Mm -hmm. How how can they argue with that? You know, how do they come back with that? You've just stated that was mine. And thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, Or if they've, you know, read your papers or they're posting somewhere, some of your ideas, you know, it's like, so glad that you read my blog or you read my paper. And and now that you've brought this up, it gives us a chance to say, hey, we're all on the same page because you've read my stuff, you know where I'm coming from. And, and what do you have to, to bring to it? I, I want to know what else you can add to it. Make sure that you're giving yourself a good voice out there um, because that's that's what it takes. You can't be can't be too bitchy about it. But you have to be um, firm about it. That what is yours is yours.
0: Yeah, and I definitely feel like that is definitely an issue that I've heard a lot from women in the sciences. That I've brought up um, women doing PhDs and etc. But I definitely feel like it can be transferred to all of the other um, industries that women work in because it's very important yeah. to take credit for your ideas and to make sure that you're being recognized. Yes. And um, something else that really comes up a lot, especially for women in their career, is um, experiencing setbacks or rejection. And I wanted to know if you'd be able to give any advice or any experiences where you might have experienced it yourself. Um, because I know sometimes having these setbacks or rejections can really put women off from wanting to continue, especially in stem. in stem, we have a big issue at the moment of actually retaining the women in stem. And so I created this podcast in order to help combat that and give women more of a voice and a platform
1: and And I think it's so important. I think that what you're doing in, helping people know, helping women know that they're, they're not the only one. Um, representation is really important. Building a network is probably the best safety net that you can have for setbacks because having a network of both male and female colleagues and people that are younger than you, older than you, your same age, um, more advanced in their career or peers. You don't wanna just have one type of individual in your network because you never know when you're going to need what resource or what advice. Um, but being, being strong enough to ask for help is really, really important. Um, sometimes people get embarrassed if they've had a setback. Um, they don't necessarily want people to know or to talk about or, you know, they don't have their own words yet, to know how they're they're feeling about it or what they're going to do. That's the time to reach out, you know, learn your network and be there for them as well. Um, so that's that's a really important part. And then also, if the setback isn't, subjected on you sometimes the setback is you started down a path and then you realize it's not the path you really want to be on and it's okay to change but look around and see what what about it isn't working for you if you don't like your job is it is it because of the environment sometimes we tell ourselves stories sometimes we say you know, oh, it's, I don't like this work, when really you don't like working with these coworkers or you don't feel safe or you don't feel supported, or sometimes you blame it on that when really what it is is you don't like the day-to-day work but you don't want to admit that you chose the wrong job. Yeah, so be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and then figure out what is it that you would really like to do? What what kind of environment do you really want to work in? Um, and then make those changes, and then it's also really important to have a financial buffer. Um, you know, when you get a raise or when you get that first job, doesn't mean that you need to live all the way up to that salary level. Um, be packing money away, and that's not just packing money away for the great vacation or even for the car that breaks down. You know, those things are important to save for too, but to have that salary buffer so that if you were to wind up without a job, um, the, you've got some, some funds there to help cushion that um, and that can make a huge difference. It can be survival mode if you're in a job where you don't feel safe and you just have to quit. If you've got some of your you know savings back there, you'll feel a lot more comfortable with saying, I can't get out of here. This isn't a healthy place for me. So networks and saving money and making sure you ask for help. So I guess those I are my I think those my are point.
0: great pieces of advice. And I definitely um, tried to implement that into my life as well. And I think that is very um, impactful. And with regards to your book, The, the, um, the Moral Code, um, it's a fictional book um, with regards to, you know, AI and a woman who's in it. um, How often do you like come across uh, women who are being represented in fictional books with regards to like STEM and tech?
1: Um, You know, there's, there's some wonderful literature now coming out. There's some great books that are covering historic women. Mm -hmm. in in technology um and then also some of the the more current or whatever things like um uh, books about bletchley park which is where the code breakers during world war ii there's some wonderful books you know out there about these women that were true trailblazers in that process or like the movie um um Hidden Figures, the book and the movie gives us, you know, real life examples. Um, the uh, the Rose Code is one of those Bletchley Park kind of stories. I'm trying to think of exact titles. Um, uh, there's books several about uh, uh, Hetty Lamar that was known as an actress, but was actually also an inventor during World War II there's some current ones too coming out and some great ones lessons in chemistry um, that is a really fun book it's it's about a woman in the 60s but it's fantastic woman in stem she's she's a strong powerful woman that's like nope this is the way that we're going to do it but she's not She's very believable because she also knows the barriers that are there. She recognizes those. And then for little kids, if you wanna get your kids started in it, um, the best book, including the, there's now like a YouTube show called Ada Twist, Scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great one for for little kids and uh, Rosie Revere, Engineer. Um, is another great kid's book. Um, but it is important, you know, all the way back to like an early one of a woman in STEM was Contact, which is actually an incredibly romantic movie too. Um, but it's you know, female engineer and how the barriers that she bases but you know, she goes, she goes to space, she she figures it out. Um, so there, there's a lot of great ones when you look for them and. It's amazing, you can Google them and find fantastic lists of things, but um, if you want a list, I can certainly, I can certainly give you one.
0: Yes, I mean, I'll have to admit, like, when I uh, come across the representation of women in STEM, it's usually through, like, movies or TV series, but it hadn't quite appealed to me yet of thinking about it from books. So. Um, Having this interview is very enlightening for me and I definitely think that I will also be looking into getting more books um, and uh, seeing women represented that way as well. And I think um, having women in history can also be great, but I also do think uh, fiction is also a great aspect as well because it can give us an opportunity to start thinking about the future thinking about, you know, there's so many women whose stories are not always told. So sometimes fiction can be a great way to um, help elaborate on different um, ways in different women.
1: I completely agree.
0: And um, I wanted to know if there was anything else you would like to tell us about your book that um, we might not have covered in the questions.
1: Um, well, it is, as you say, that it's a female engineer And the AI is a female, Um, there's some other, you know, strong female characters as well, but it is um, really about what, what would we do if we can form our future? And what, what could we do to protect kids? And, and think about the, the damage that, um, you know, abuse or trafficking, et cetera, can wreak on children, and then it becomes a cycle. So the book is proposing how do we how do we break that that cycle in society and in people's lives? Because bullies become bullies. You know, those that are bullied will will do it to others. It's mm-hmm. it's what they know. So you know, giving better better examples um, is is important. Um, my next book is not as as much that I'm working on now. Early stage is um, more about the the power of networking women together. Um, so I, I take a step a little further away from the kids component, but it is and it's different characters. it's not a it's not a related one, but I like the um, the look at the options that we could we could present in this world.
0: Great and do you can you please tell us different ways in which we can connect with you how can people get your book if they if they want to go ahead yeah
1: um i am on twitter at, at lois melbourne and um, melbourne is like the city in australia so it's spelled Um, my author page is loismelbourne.com and i'm also on linkedin for those that are you know career engaged, et cetera, as I know quite often LinkedIn is a common one and it's, I am as Lois Melbourne. Um, and the Moral Code comes out September 20th. So it's already available on Amazon or bookshop.org for pre-order. And it's first coming out in an ebook and printed and then it'll be an audiobook um, later in the year.
0: Great. And I love that it's coming out in so many different variations as well. That's great. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you and getting to get to know a bit more about your book, your, as well as your career. And I think it's been very insightful.
1: Thank you. And and I love, I love the podcast. I think it's just fantastic.
0: Thank you. Thank you to the amazing guest host speaker, And thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to follow the podcast and to follow me on social media at kelly underscore engineer on Twitter or Instagram. As well as please make sure to check out our new YouTube channel called Women in STEM Podcast to see our latest episodes visually.
1: Until next time, bye!